0: Welcome to the Crones Porch Magic, Witchcraft, and the liminal Approach to Magical Faith. This is your grandmama's podcast.
1: Uh, content warning, curmudgeonry, complaining, and jumping from place to place. So there's some interesting, colorful language in there, too. <laughs> On this episode, it is story time, which is just
0: code for it's been a lot. We've had uh, some life changes and, you know, life. And so we just shot the shit for however long this episode turns out to be. Uh, There's some weather magic, some fun stories about those what the fuck magic is real moments, and then a rabbit hole about the Green Knight because we just really like that movie and it's still on the brain. So uh, buckle up, Buttercup, or Buttercups, or however you like to be referred to, and uh, join us on the Crows' Porch, okay? Woo! Thanks. Hi, Colin. Hi, Ian. How are you doing on this end of August, uh, beginning of September? We're both about to go into a new school year because you have entered into the Thunderdome higher ed.
1: <laughs> well I know. I've become your, your colleague, sorta, kinda.
0: Well, we've always been colleagues, but now we're like industry colleagues, which I guess is different.
1: That's true. I mean, we've got quite an onion of a relationship.
0: Just yeah.
1: all the all the just we we've tied up a lot into each <laughs> other's lives.
0: It works. It happens.
1: Uh, yeah, it's great. It's is, just there a, a is there a professional association for like religious professionals uh, in higher ed? Like there is for I every other. Domain. I haven't found one, but I could. But I haven't done much looking, so you never know. A, yeah, it might not be because that's one that I don't
0: think would. Uh, I think it would just bring more problems than it would solve. Because think of all the infighting. At
1: yeah, least I mean, the other I, ones. The other from ones. From what focus. I understand, I'm I'm a weird little like growth off of higher education. Just
0: ah. Welcome to the. Uh, well, I mean, you're in an interesting thing because you know, New York. None of the state institutions ever have religious affairs because you know, legality, and we're afraid of religious. <laughs>
1: being sued right. so I mean, uh Penn's, pennsylvania is slightly different although um there are some restrictions because penn state where i am now working is basically the pennsylvania equivalent of suny so there is some yeah i guess that gives them but we have a lot but like obviously they have a program coordinator so i have a little bit more latitude
0: yeah Religious Affairs. I think every institution needs Religious Affairs at it the more I've been in higher ed, because there are some problems that just need it because, like, they'll try to solve it on a multicultural side, like an MRC, will try to solve a problem between two students, but it has a religious overtone to it, or it involves partially religious and ethnic identities, and you really just need someone who's has that expertise because you're missing a whole side if you're just focusing on the ethnic side of uh, like multi-dimensional conflict and so i, I think everybody should. It. it's an area that is sorely missing at a lot of institutions
1: i agree with you and that's honestly what i've decided to hang my my hat on like i'm like i finally did some exploring in terms of career and um, this is what i'm good at religious shit i'm just gonna get better at this for the rest of my life
0: yay so yay
1: (laughs) so yes to answer your question i'm good because i found an apartment i found a new job i'm moving getting a new chapter of my life my harvest is coming in i'm feeling good Mm -hmm. feeling happy looking forward i get a lot of latitude at work to do my ideas and it's 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 gonna be good how about you how's it going um i'm tired
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just got off, so our institution, one, just didn't move in this past week, and then before that, I was working on an early move-in program, uh, like a leadership development, and then our part was like a, you know, underrepresented leadership development piece to that, so that consumed my last weekend, so I've been working for like the last 12 days straight. (laughs) <laughs> especially some early days and some late nights so now that that's done and moving's done and we have a hurricane now <laughs> like this <laughs> has been a very uh, stressful uh start of the semester so hurricane Henri, which very is a very french name for a hurricane is going to make landfall tomorrow i'm far enough up into connecticut that we just have a tropical storm warning but i never thought i'd have to especially being from Buffalo, thought I'd have to prepare for a tropical storm slash hurricane, especially being up on the coast. Really thought that was going to be a Tim problem because Tim was... Sorry, Tim. Tim was in Florida. (laughs) And the gulf problem, but nope. Climate change makes it hard to live anywhere. (laughs) And I read an article about the jet stream slowing down, and I understand a little bit of climate science because of ESF, and that makes me horrified.
1: Because... So I'm good, but personally I'm good. I'm just very tired. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. No, I totally understand. I've also had some climate feels and then had to be talked down and be like, what control do you have? None. So do, uh, go, do your job. <laughs>
0: exactly like that's the thing i was just like well i can't i can't do it like the hurt it's not like i can well i shouldn't say that because that's a story that i will talk about later in this episode but uh it's not like i can magically just make the hurricane go poof go away completely we're gonna leave a question mark there because it's (laughs) weather medic which apparently seems to be a thing that i am decently good at thank you mary thank you mary it's just a thing Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's uh, (laughs) anxiety. (laughs) 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 That's my joke for today. (laughs) But, uh, I'm good, but with, <laughs> welcome to the Currents Porch. I feel like we've actually never said that. I was listening to a podcast, and I realized that, like, some other podcasts will always do, like, a little, like, welcome back to insert podcast title with, like, podcast tagline. I'm like, we don't do that, but then again, we have no format. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> welcome back to the Currents Porch, y'all. It's uh, been a wild ride. It continues to be a wild ride, living in a feel what feels like an active post-apocalyptic but yet pre-apocalyptic pre-apoca- society
1: yeah yeah you just kind of have to <laughs> lean into what you're doing and just and the people you love that's my that is that is my lesson from this last six months where uh, part of us another story i will tell i believe but like when your therapist tells you when you're like I don't know why all the social justice stuff is causing me anxiety. I must i it must be cowardice. And my therapist's like, have you considered that you've traumatized yourself? Trauma <laughs> Trauma. <laughs> Trauma But um uh,
0: we should invite a therapist, not anyone that works in our studio. Yeah. We should invite someone who's in therapy to just talk about therapy and magic. If you are a magical therapist out there, one, I want your number because please help, but two, if you want to be on our show, please uh, hit us up, cronesports at gmail.com. Finger yeah. guns. They can't see me, but finger guns.
1: Finger guns. Pew, pew. So, aside from our, our lives and anxiety panic um, tangents, uh What are we talking about today, Ian? So, because of all this, because we're in the throes of life, uh, uh, we're just going to have an easy
0: episode of doing story time, because nothing makes me feel better than just being able to talk about my life and experiences, and uh, nothing has reminded me more than just being able to talk with students and be like, this is my life, and then be like, wow, interesting life, I've learned so much from your experiences, and you would be like, wow, you have." (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm a professional, that's my job, that's what I'm supposed to do, right?
1: You're always boring until you meet someone else.
0: Yes, so, pagan
1: story time. Um, Yeah, mm -hmm. do you have any, any, um, do you have any good stories about, I guess, And tell us about some weather magic, your weather magic story.
0: Yes. So uh, being able to stop hurricanes, question mark, revisited now, (laughs) right now. Um, So, yes, I can't stop a hurricane. Uh, That amount of weather magic does defy the laws of uh, the world and physics and science. And I have yet to figure out how to bend the universe to my will. Uh, if I do, you'll all get a cash transfer of $100,000 direct to your bank account <laughs> to prove that I did it. <laughs> so, um, but Weather Magic is a love of mine only because I had a very impactful experience with Weather Magic. Uh, not me doing Weather Magic, but my uh, advisor, mentor, all around great person, Mary Hudson doing Weather Magic because it was Suko, because we were doing a collaboration with Hillel. At Syracuse, um, uh, what time of year is Zuka? March. I think so. I think yeah. yeah um, so we were doing a thing because it was around. No, it might have been in the fall. I don't know. I think it might be September. I might be, like, really confusing my times of semester in the semesters that they occur. And for all of my education folks out there, your time is probably skewed, and we vibe on that, of we never know what day it is, what month it is. We just know where it is in the academic calendar, <laughs> let alone what season it is. Um, but it aligned close with the holiday. I think it was September, because I think it was, like, early in the semester, fallish weather. Um, so it was aligning with Mabon.
1: Uh, so harvest to harvest
0: kind of a thing uh, so we were doing the dual thing where we did a Mabon thing and then we would go we went over to Hillel uh to do Suko with uh the with some uh, some of the Jewish students um and it was a bad weather night like it was in the forecast that it was gonna rain and I remember Mary just distinctly looking at us all sitting in like the one of the prayer rooms down in the basement of Hendrick's Chapel and just being like no it'll be fine and all of us being like, no, clearly it says like within 10 minutes is going to be at an 80 to 90% chance of rain, which means it's going to rain. And she's like, no, it'll be fine. <laughs> no, nothing more than that. Just like, no, it'll be fine. And we go outside and it's like wet in the air. You know, like it's gonna rain. It's just like right. wet. It's not actually raining, but if you can like feel the moisture in the air, not humid, but like you like there are droplets in the air. So it was like kind of moist, and uh, we start the ritual. It's not raining. We start the ritual, like, continue to do the ritual. It's not raining. Like, we're good. Finish the ritual. Still not raining. And she's like, (laughs) and then I might be, you know, embellishing this, but in my brain it lives that Mary finished the ritual and said, yep, that's good. And then it just starts raining. (laughs) Like, we're almost within the immediacy of, like, Mary finishing out as the advisor. Like, the ritual. It just starts raining. Like, not sure. not a gradual starting to rain. Like, it just, like, someone was holding an umbrella verbally above the sky, above us, and it, then it just starts raining. And then, it like, closes it, and it starts raining. And I just remember being dumbfounded of, like, it's, what, it's one of my many, like, magic is real moments. Like, I've had a few, and that was uh-huh. one of, like, the most distinct magic is real moments because she literally, was like, said, okay, we're good, and then it starts raining. And I'm just, like, holy shit, this this woman is, like, all-powerful. How the fuck did she do this? Um, And then it happened, so, there was that one, and then it happened again with Mary, so, like, my second time of, like, it happening was her court-cutting ceremony when she fully retired, and, like, a lot of the alumni and us came back to do a ritual. She walks through the labyrinth, and, like, it's kind of storming all day, but the weather is held off, and then she exits, like, she's doing her thing, and she exits her labyrinth, And it immediately starts raining, (laughs) which was gross because all of us realized that it basically was afterbirth as rain. Yeah, because she was rebirth. Yeah, she was rebirth from the labyrinth. So it just and we we all had a little bit of like, oh, that's gross, (laughs) not like gross, but um, so that again, and then it happened to me. Like I got my first, uh, like a while ago, of a subtle thing. Oh, actually, we did it with uh, Salen of getting. Oh yeah, that was you
1: you and me. Yeah. We bound a lot of magic up into that. Yeah, and that was a good one. That
0: was my first, like, full flexing of it. I've done various weather things of just, like, trying to keep safe and, like, not get rained out or not, you know, die of heat exhaustion.
1: That was the first
0: big one of Storm Was Coming. It was Samhain, and we really wanted to do it outside. And so we're like, hey, I forgot who you called, but...
1: No, because we did... I, you we did Freya and yours. Oh yes, we did fully my my territory, um, and we just asked them to
0: like hold sh- it off, hold it off, and it, it worked. It was a little scatter shot, and I like push it off, but it was like wet and blowing wet, but it wasn't raining. And then it happened this past weekend. Of uh, we were doing a uh, our weekend thing was off campus at a campground uh, for the leadership thing. Cause you know, kept us outside and COVID compliant and all that. And uh, weather was in the forecast. And it was really the only day of this program that weather was going to be in the forecast. And my coworker, Andrew was just like, Oh, this is really going to suck. This was supposed to be like the thing. Everything else was on campus and in hot buildings and other stuff is happening on campus. So we're like stuck in our corner. This was the thing that was going to like make the students weak." And I was like, don't worry. It'll be fine. (laughs) And it, like, starts raining a little, like, when they get there at camp at, like, 8 in the morning. It starts to drizzle a little bit, and precedingly heavier rain. And I'm just like, yeah, hey, Njord, um, can we not, like, I have a bunch of children here who, like, really need this and really want this to be an impactful experience, so could you just, like, not... (laughs) and literally within 20 minutes it like ebbs off and stops raining which is kind of in the forecast so i wasn't like too surprised but then like later in the day it was supposed to rain again towards two or three o'clock and andrew comes and he's like the weather moved north like hooked north last minute and i was like yes. yeah it did and he's just like gave me a look at like yeah i told you it did and i was like oh yes someone who doesn't know what i do of course you know the weather moved north on its own. Weather patterns. Wink, wink. So, uh, yes, weather magic is real. Um, I haven't been able to do weather magic on my own. That I don't think is a witchcraft thing I can do uh, for all you witches out there that are that powerful on your own that you can impact a small area of weather. That's really cool. I always have to incorporate a deity. But let's you know, real chill about it. because, And I think it has to do with... I always come at it of, I need this weather mood for a purpose. I'm not just asking you to do it because I don't want it to rain. Like, it's not a uh, personal request. It's always uh, a request for the greater good, usually for the greater good of someone in need, you know, students, uh, hopefully with this hurricane. (laughs) Uh, So I'm always asking for their greater good, and that seems to turn out okay. And I do offerings, but even then, I don't feel inclined to do offerings. I just do them because I feel like it's kind (laughs) so uh weather magic ask your friendly local nature weather deity honestly actually i take that back ask your weather deities because like your nature deities sometimes don't do it the right way <laughs> and that's no fault of their own it's just not their domain ask your lovely weather deity for a rain card because you it can always come later and the next day the day after weeks from now an hour later
1: be aware of why like you were saying like you asked for weather magic on for the greater good be aware of how you how and why you ask for ma- weather magic because like if you're asking it as like a personal request i almost guarantee that you're it's gonna go it's gonna backfire on you because unless you're really in tight and that deity's super serious about it like if i was to have like a personal rain card from Mananan, i would get rained on because that <laughs> is a trickster thing to do and that is what he'll do. And I recognize this. This is part of the relationship, but I don't ask <laughs> Manan for weather things, unless it's a greater good thing, because I'm going to get rain done.
0: Yeah, which goes back to, I think we said it, a million and one times, intention matters, and also it kind of reflects on the, the offering or the output later. Because you can get some of those personal favors through, but most definitely the offering you must put in or the work thing you must do later is going to be high in order to get that done.
1: Right. But also, deities tend to often want... Well, it depends on your relationship and who you're dealing with, but in my experiences, deities also want you to learn something if they feel you need to learn something and Uh sometimes not getting what you want or getting what you want in a way you didn't expect is one of those things that's going to happen generally they won't do it in ways that will screw you over generally they're about things that are relatively less stressful and that they think that you 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 need to figure this shit out generally it's better for you in the end
0: yes so uh that, yeah, that's my experience of Weather Magic. I really encourage folks to try it out for themselves. Again, you know, you got an event that you really need to go off without a hitch because it's for someone or for a group of uh, people in need or yada yada, insert uh, special request here. Um, it's just a good use of uh D&D relationship building.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. So that was my story time, at least for now. I probably have other stories. Uh, do you, you, got a story?
1: Actually, on the subject of magic, I think my most recent one actually has something to do with storm as well. Um, so this, this last week, this Wednesday, while I was in Pennsylvania, um, the hurricane rain was coming through Pennsylvania. Um,
0: oh yeah, we got another hurricane, hurricane yeah. rain.
1: Yeah, so that was coming through Pennsylvania Um, And it was all right. But I was going to tour the apartment that I wanted. And Uh just as we were about to go tour it, we had to go back into their main office because there was a tornado warning and everyone had to get inside. (laughs) And it was a torrential downpour with thunder and stuff. And it was really wild. Um, It passed in about 15 minutes. I got to take the tour. That's the apartment that I took but on the way back to my hotel, which was about an hour away because it was Mm move-in weekend and all the hotels were like $400 plus a night in State (laughs) College. Um, As I was doing that, I think I slipped into a somewhat altered mind state as I was driving because everything was wet and there was some rain. And so Lou LaVada, specifically Lou LaVada, showed up very clearly and was like, hi. And I'm like, hi. And he's like, thunder deity energy i'm like ah this new discovery between you and me has obviously empowered this relationship um and so we were talking and i know it was him also because i like just because i have an anxious brain i sometimes i'm like is this really who i'm speaking with and he started to get annoyed and he was <laughs> like eh, stop it you know better um Go ahead. but we good had check a good conversation we had a good conversation and he also was you know he was like, mm, have, have some faith you're going to get this apartment. I know you've been super worried about it. Have faith in it. Just, you'll it'll be fine. And okay. it turns out it was. But I, it was also special to me, really special in that not only was it, it was that, but it was like a, A, it was a confirmation of like, he, he was very specifically along the lines of like, no, we have a very strong connection. And that is just the situation as it is. And appearing visually in my head, which doesn't happen very often. Um, very specific symbology, very specific image. Uh-huh. Um, and just it was so such a nice connection and it was felt so empowering. And it reminded me like, hmm, I have people in my corner. Lu mm-hmm. and Mananan, especially, are seems to be deities that just are like, no, they'll just show up when they want to, which tells me like, hmm, I know who my people are. <laughs>
0: no that's really important Uh, I think (laughs) one piece of imparting wisdom I always forget because it feels obvious after doing it enough but I realize is not necessarily common knowledge Um, like everyone else is uh, you know sometimes you don't need to look too hard for like connections to deities uh, in that uh, sometimes you should look exactly where you think they would be like I'm not going to Well, bright, sunny day, I guess, aside. Weather deities are weird. But like, uh, when it comes to Njord in storms, he's much more prevalent just because that's literally his thing. Or if I'm near water, sea traveler, (laughs) sea traveling god. So I don't need to, like, if I'm out in the desert and it is blinding heat, hot, no moisture around, probably not going to find Njord.
1: And uh, (laughs) that's actually not a bad thing. That's just not where he is. So uh, don't need to fight it. No, I think that's a great point. And that brings me to another lesson that I've learned this past year, especially, is that um, deities are like your personal relationships. They will come and go as naturally needs be. And there will be some you're super connected with, and you may be connected with your whole life. But those relationships will change just like any social relationship. Mm-hmm. And they'll come and go as as need be. And they'll seek you out as much as you seek them out. Like trying to force relationships or trying to hold yourself down to a certain number or a certain quality or like certain people may not work because it's it's different entities interacting. And you mm-hmm. also change. And so do they, sort of, kind of. That's a tougher one because they're not human and not bound by the same issues that we are. But like...
0: Philosophically, I think the rule still applies.
1: <laughs> yeah. So like that's something I've been learning and trying to take that anxiety out of my practice of like, no, some folks are really, I will probably have lifelong relationships too and they'll be really strong presence in my life and others will come and go as they please often seasonally. I tend to have like deities that show up more often in different seasons. This, while not all of the holidays in the wheel of the year are part of my tradition really explicitly, they seem to line up with like people will show up at different times. Um, and do different things. And it tends to be how my life is organized. I'll have a different lesson leading up to and during different holidays and some sort of work happens naturally. And so mm-hmm. I stopped trying to give a shit and just let it happen. <laughs> the Crone
0: way. I think if it yeah. is anything, that is 100% a tenant of, if there were rule books for our path, uh, one rule is no rules, let it happen.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Do you have another story?
0: Oh, one I don't. I don't know if I have another explicit story like that. Uh, that's been like the last, besides High Holiday, which, you know, listen to our many different High Holiday episodes, which are very prolific for me. I've been swamped in work. So I don't have as much magic faith story, especially duty stuff. I haven't, again, the ebb and flow, somewhere's my uh, light correspondence time of, unless I am actively reaching out weather things mainly for the summer months i don't get much uh remote contact except for Vela still shows up on my couch every so often
1: (laughs) yeah i would say um that's that's pretty similar for me i've been so bogged down in this whole life switch up that i like other than triage magic I haven't really been doing anything too terribly explicit. I have I've had plans of wanting to, but I have to get settled first. Because yeah. like I want to do work with Boan for Mabin for Mabin. And I want to I'm I'm going to try to start some more Odin centered work around Yule um and stuff like that. But I need yeah. to like, figure out my life first. Um, yes, <laughs> I think one one thing I will say though, a story for me actually is like how sort of um like i was talking about with how naturally things happen how like serendipity is has in the last couple years for my magic has really snowballed because i started off with like a really set idea of what i thought my magical past should be based on the people who like initiates a weird word for this but sure initiated me into paganism and magic and then there was this dry spell because I left my undergrad and they stopped talking to me and I didn't know what to do. Um, but then once you and I met, I'm like, just as we've talked about before, just like some random thing that's mostly inconsequential at this point. Like I've become a fully fledged magical practitioner and we've kind of just become magical dynamic duo in terms of the <laughs> podcast and holidays and all, and like the the pagan student circle and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's really interesting how it just went from like absolutely nothing and then you meet like the right person or right deity or whatever, and then it just sort of explodes and you're like, wow, this is my life focus. Yeah. And
0: even in those moments, sometimes I have to remind myself that serendipity it is, but also there's a lot of times where like upon reflection... Actually, you were actually working yeah. towards it, just True. in the background. It was more of a background-running app than a for you know a consume time and RAM space running app. But like you were working towards it, and so like serendipity is a combination of right time, right place, and you
1: actually put an effort. Well, to I would say that's the combination of fate. Fate is serendipity yeah. plus effort. <laughs>
0: We need a, (laughs) that sounds like a stitcher, a pillow stitch quote.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. No, I just, it's, it's so interesting recently, um, just how like, I feel like for me at least, and I don't know if you've experienced it or whatever, it's just been like, the last two years have been such a period of intense growth, as painful as it may have been, just like Mm -hmm. all around. But, like, magical faith practice included. Like, I feel like it's just been constant and intense stress, but also, like, constant and consequential learning. Yeah. I haven't totally pinned it down. Yeah. I agree with that. And I haven't, and I don't think
0: I'll ever know until we're, like, five, ten years out from these moments if it was the pandemic, graduating. Job searching, being just in your late 20s in (laughs) a a decaying capitalist society, or combinations of all of it, of why that growth happens. Because part of me is like, that's just a thing you do in your late 20s, especially if you, uh, you know, go back to grad school and you are, you know, starting a new career. Like, all this intense growth just happens because you're finding your place and... You know, trying to find a job and just trying to make it work and moving and, you know, changing states and all the small things that come with that that are hard to know. And you have to search like eight different government websites for or if it was a pandemic or so, like, I, I don't know what the exact reason was. But, yeah, those last two years have been just like an intense... A pressure cooker, uh, of change, of accepting innate parts of my experience, as well as parts of my experience that I can control, and things that I can't, and finding what I'm good at, like, even I've had just, uh, in the last couple of weeks of, like, I really do want to do LGBTQ work, but at the same time, I just want to do broad this work <laughs> of, like, doing equity work. Like, I like leadership development. You know, I'm always going to have a queer lens to everything I do, but I like HR. I like leadership development. I like doing philosophy and sociology and stuff like that. Maybe I'll go to teaching, but, like, I don't want to be pinned, pinned down to one thing. I would love to do safe zone trainings or things of that nature and just talk about gender and sexuality for the rest of my life. But that also feels limiting in a way. And I don't think I have to be limited in that way. So, yeah, these last two years have just been a a fun time.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Although I guess that also brings up, like, they're not stories per se, but, like, talking about maybe, like, future ideas, like, I think it would be quite meaningful because i know we mentioned it at the beginning of the pandemic last not last summer but whatever was it i don't remember (laughs) time has no meaning time has Um, no meaning yeah but um we we talked about like doing some sort of not really a funeral because that's too personal but some sort of death commemoration thing once this COVID thing is over just to relieve some of that psychic tension that's built up
0: yeah (laughs) still want to i'm actually incorporating that a little bit into my like job practice this first year of just doing a lot of grief work Mm. and i think (laughs) that's important for me because i I see so many students myself included not as a student but as just a person of like there was so much to grieve in these last two years that nobody ever got the opportunity to uh but yeah i would. Definitely. There's so much I want to do. And now I don't feel limited.
1: Yeah, I... I mean, speaking from just my own unique opportunity, I think I'm really excited about the opportunity to try to bridge some of those gaps in terms of, like, just really basic practices. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to push people too far and into, like, uncomfortable spaces of, like, "Hmm, I don't want to share or experience this other practice that may infringe on my, my faith tradition, but like these like really human practices of like commemoration and grief, but also like joy and feasting and harvest and all these like shared concepts. And I think that that's a super impactful way to do my job. But I think it's also been something that I've been learning to do just within my faith practice of like expanding my mind to this sort of, I don't know, know what to call it yet but are like try part timeline <laughs> sphere <laughs> cultural sphere of influence type of deal. Yeah, like, it seems really meaningful to me. And so I think it's the same type of type of deal and I, I'm looking forward to us exploring that as we move forward in life just this
0: yes sort
1: of path that we've created for <sighs> ourselves both the Crone philosophy, but also this very specific cultural path that we have chosen
0: very much. Like I have, uh, uh, like (laughs) it's becoming more vivid, which means, uh, it's going to happen. Actually, I have no frame of reference for time anymore. It's, uh, usually when it's this vivid, it's, uh, probably by next summer's end. Mm -hmm. It's recorded on the podcast. It's out in the universe. <laughs> um, by next summer's end, uh, I think you and I are going to be, and I'm sorry if this is into dizzy. I think we will be embarking on a also a face centered or a fair folk centered uh, journey.
1: I'm excited. Let's do it. <laughs> it's been very vivid. I, I will paint a clear picture
0: uh, in more personal conversations, but uh, for our listeners, I've just been getting a lot of. Uh, uh, from a, very, a couple different sensory perspectives of uh, just wanting to do face stuff and Fair Folk stuff. Um, one, my Etsy shopping has just become like uh, <laughs> emboldened with like things that would uh, be considered uh, moving into that territory of wearing cloaks that are much less archaic magic focused and much more Fair Folk magic focused. Um, so I think we're gonna dive into the the deep green by the next summer's end,
1: I'm 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 here for it. Like fairy um, circles, fairy circles. It's funny circles. that you said that because one of the things that, um, I mean I've I'm I'm of course I've talked about it many times in the podcast. I'm connected really closely connected to Mananan McLear. He's like king of the other world, and he's more and he's as closely connected to the fa- fair folk as he is to the Tuatha De He sits in the middle, and so I'm like, sure, why not? We have a safety net. Let's do it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we're going to take a a deep dive. And I think this is, so I think our our traveler journeys have started to line up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So I think we're
0: about to jump the well, uh, hang ourselves from the tree, dive into a fairy circle. Um, I'm envisioning a fairy circle. I think this is going to take place in Pennsylvania, too. I think it's very appropriate that you have uh, moved there because New England's weird. Like, really weird. It's yeah, very colonial. To say, it's very while I was
1: not, not prepared to explore the full, like, land rights and colonial underpinnings of the situation, Pennsylvania's got a very magical feel. Um, yeah. That's something that's spoken very strongly um, with me. And we also have a megalith Park, just saying.
0: Yeah. But I, I think the literal fairy circle, I think we're going to buy a circle of mushrooms that we're going to do a ritual in. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah there's plenty of woods in pennsylvania for us to choose from. i think it's also
0: gonna involve some foraging but i think that's gonna be a post-visual thing
1: i'm excited
0: but these visual messages like uh, <laughs> i do things subconsciously and then i look back and i'm like i have a whole etsy list of just like uh different circlets that are like mushroom themed <laughs> and huntress uh, themed and like yeah we're gonna do Ooh. some fair folk uh, deep green circle diving um, I think it's gonna be combo so again speaking things into existence uh, I think it's gonna be uh, from my end at least I don't know what you'll incorporate in but I have a very strong feeling it'll evolve somehow Fleish and uh, devana of doing Huntress deep green oh, stuff okay
1: <laughs> I'm okay with this. I haven't talked to Fleish in a long time, but we left that relationship amicably, so I'm pretty I don't know if it's it.
0: going to be a uh, like a a, a fair uh, okay different fairy, but like a fairy master <laughs> role, like a, a charon, like fairy yeah. leader, uh, the boat fairy, not the yeah. not the flying fairy. <laughs> um, I don't know if they're going to be uh, guiding lights in this uh, a journey, or if they're on the boat with us. Uh, just uh, yeah very deep green and, uh, very huntress, uh, vibes. I think we're going on a badass, uh, feminist journey, deep feminine energy. It's gonna be weird. It's gonna
1: be wild, Brad. Sure. Let's do it. I'm here. I'm here for it.
0: Be I don't like,
1: I like it also opens up so many opportunities because like we talk about the fair folk and just because we speak English, that tends to take a much more quote unquote Celtic turn, but like, There are Fair Folk in Norse and Slavic traditions, all of which I totally believe interact.
0: Uh, Oh, 100%. They all talk to each other. Uh, And they take vacations probably to each other. I think the Icelandic ones like to stay on their island.
1: I think that that is an entirely geographically land-based situation.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they just get melted into is, things we got, Iceland, is Iceland is complicated magic Iceland is complicated magic but a lot of the Norse uh, Scandinavian folks just turned into basically Christmas story. <laughs> they all got shoved into like yeah, Christmas elves a lot yeah. of the elf stuff besides well, uh, Tolkien's yeah. elf stuff uh, became Norse and Scandinavian stuff and then you all got fairies and sprites and stuff yeah
1: Well, our our fairies tend to be the much more, like, traditional, well, the Victorians kind of fucked that up a little bit, but our fairies tend to be the much more, like, traditional, they are neither good nor evil, they are amoral, they do not, uh, they are not human, and they are explicitly not human, Um, and I am of the mindset, and I think we've discussed it before, of that, like, most fairies some are actively malicious, they just don't like people very much. Uh-huh. Some are really playful and don't understand that squishy humans are mortal, and that's a <laughs> relatively permanent situation for us. And then yep. there are some who are just doing their thing, and they just sort of interact with humans, and it's not always good for us, but it's not really their the fair folks' fault. It's just a byproduct of the fact that, that we are limited by our existence. Material yeah. Existence. <laughs>
0: material plane yep so uh get ready to sit on a mushroom and tell a, a, a folktale that dives us into a fairy circle into the deep green as we go on a spiritual journey of I, should, I
1: should load you my my fairy book it's not yes. perfect but i think I'm it'd a, be helpful yes
0: uh, and also again in this uh i've realized now i've subconsciously prepared for this journey that i think is going to take place by summer's next summer's end not this summer's end none of you take that seriously <laughs> Putting around like I didn't say I caught it before I said this summer next summer this summer uh, is I've just been picking up random mythology books yeah. like folktale mythology books yeah. I also bought the the Sir Galen story just because I really like that movie
1: that was a good movie that's something we can talk about let's Green talk Night. about that movie.
0: <laughs> so okay segue. so we're off the deep green uh yes we watched a uh, we uh, well this was probably we didn't talk about it the Lo- Now's the episode um uh, a so part of our oh no we did but we didn't go into great detail because the important thing was the ritual not the other stuff we did Right. um but we went to see a movie we went to see green knight or the legend of the yeah. green knight the green knight i forgot what the, the movie green is. knight the green knight which is a yeah. arthurian legend
1: yeah it's really good like the basics of it are basically young, untested Sir Gowan goes on a quest after. How does there's so much going on in that? I feel like I don't want to spoil too much because it's a really fantastic movie. It is a very art house movie. Okay, so I think we're gonna have
0: to separate. So there's The Legend of Sir Gowan, and then there's this movie. Which are deeply intertwined, but The Legend of Sir Gowan is not exactly this movie, because I too have also now been like, oh, they yeah, they shoved some other, some various legends together uh, yes. for this extremely art house movie. But um, I, I think we can give them the premise of Sir Gowan and the Green Knight myth, because um, I don't think we should be giving spoiler alerts for things that have been out for centuries, because they are public knowledge. <laughs> so right. if you are at all want to see this movie, or go read The Legend of Sir Gowan, I guess this is your exit point, and yes. you can come back to it. So, uh, peace out.
1: Yep, thank you for sticking around the junk drawer, and we'll see you later. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but The Legend of Sir Galwin, basically, as I know,
0: it, and from this, like, because I tried to find as close to the it's written by an anonymous person right the, the yeah it's old, an
1: anonymous story it was probably a, a, a word to mouth folktale before it was anything else yeah um,
0: but the basic premise is sir gawain a young untested knight of the round table didn't really have any legends to his name wasn't any didn't do anything that great yet um uh, takes his opportunity to rise to a challenge when the green knight shows up at arthur's castle but this is where the movie takes a little bit of a detour the movie has it that sir gowan is summoned not by arthur but the original legend is sir gowan or the green knight is summoned by arthur because the green knight is also a knight at the round table at least Um, i get that vibe a little bit
1: it it really i think depends a lot on the story um it's Sir Gawain and the Green Knight is particularly messy Arthurian-wise, because it, I mean, well, all Arthurian legends are messy, because Lamor d'Arthur made this really set idea of what it is for us in the modern world, but really it was just a collection of various folk tales in the past, and Sir Gawain and the Green Knight is super interesting to me, because it takes this, like, really, like, knightly-focused, like, high medieval chivalry and sticks it into a story that is basically, like, half-Christology- half-Welsh paganism, and just goes, Pfft. you're all together now. Yeah, so, the Green Knight is ancient, green, like, living green, the Green it's Man. Inspired. He's like, the Green Man. Basically, the yeah. Oak King, Holly King type character. In the movie, he's very much cast as, like, the Holly King. very highly. Oh, I got that. I think he, I mean, he it was... He holds a Holly branch over, like, his, his his entry is such a power move. He walks into the hall on his horse, holds up a holly branch over his head, silent, does not say a thing, holds it there until Arthur's like, you can come in. And so he walks in and hands a letter, doesn't talk, and then possesses Queen the queen while she's reading the letter to speak out the letter in his voice. Doesn't speak it himself. It was just... It was. It very much reminded me of what I imagine those really very specific nature spirits are like. They're not deities. They're more like the fair folk, or they are the fair folk. They do that sort of shit, and it's really interesting to me how that dynamic played out in the movie because it did feel like very much the growing green Holly King. In the original story, it's a lot more implied, a lot less overtly. Yeah, green man. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so Green Knight shows up and the challenge is that you must strike the Green Knight and then time passes and he's allowed to strike you in the same manner. And Sir Gowan in his uh, 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 the movie paints it as a bravado of like, uh, I must prove myself and at the same time, I think I'm hot shit. Essence. Like, straight up decapitates or at least deals a death a death blow to the green knight and is like, if you, I guess you're allowing me to strike you just free free, I am going to kill you. Not realizing that you know, it's the living, it's a living green. You can't just like chop its head off. Uh, I don't know. I, I this is where I'm like, I <laughs> I can't tell if it's a modern knowledge that would make me like hella skeptical or if it is uh, uh just a, a pagan fearing of the deep green is, like, that challenge would have come up and I would have just, like, patted him on the cheek and been like, I'm done.
1: Well, yeah, I think the movie really painted it as, like, a toxic masculinity thing. Yeah. Because um, to my mind, yeah, that's what I thought of also. The terms and conditions of the challenge were pretty clear that if you scratch me, I'll scratch you back and we'll part as friends. Like, that's literally what he says.
0: And that's what I thought the, the like, uh, you know, the, the beat the challenge was going to be of, like, it's going to be it's going to be yeah be wise challenge or an express love in the face of conflict you know lesson of like i give you a kiss on the forehead and then you returning kind and we part ways as friends like i thought that was going to be the secret and he was the movie was going to be him struggling (laughs) to rise to the challenge but nope just chops the head off right away and then i'm like you yep that's yep that was your choice
1: yeah. <laughs> your, I think in some versions of the story, it's really explicitly a beheading game. Like, that's the terms and conditions. Oh, okay. Beheading. Um, in this one, it's 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 seen as more of a choice. Um, but, like, the ultimate theme I think is, is around the struggle for courage, and even the most like, brazen how do I say it? It's teaching that it's not an inborn quality. It's something you develop through yep. wisdom and practice and choice and facing life. Yeah,
0: because the um, bulk of the movie was his actual journey a year and however many days later of journeying to the Green Knight to meet him right after Christmas or right on Christmas. I forgot when
1: uh, yeah it was the the terms are on Christmas day. Yeah. Uh, is the is the day of. so I I maybe making this part up, but I feel like the terms are, like, the year and the day type of deal. Like, that's a really sacred, like, Welsh Gaelic type of thing. A year and a day is significant. Yeah,
0: because I think it was Christmas Eve that he shows up, because yeah. it's, yeah. like, their yes, Christmas Eve dinner. Yeah, yeah, so, Christmas Day next year. So, the movie is all about his journey, which is where the movie is, is, like, oh, we have three hours to fill. We're gonna take some detours into other folk tales.
1: <laughs> right. In the original book, it basically is some... Um, relatively run of the mill adventures until we get to the disappearing castle which I want to that that's significantly interesting right. um, but like it basically goes him going on a journey learning the finer points of like courage and chivalric honor and then ends up with him showing up at the green knight and saying I have, or he has, the magic belt that makes him invulnerable. But then, at the last second, he says, "No honor demands I do this right." Takes off the belt, offers himself up to get his head chopped off. The Green Knight says, "Well done. You learned your lesson. Go home. Enjoy. Bye bye." Um, <laughs> like the movie, though, you're right. Takes some interesting. I think the wasn't the first real challenge. Was the thieves, the bandits? That was the yeah. first real one.
0: He meets the Thieves where it tests his, like, I guess, resolve to stay true to knighthood.
1: Yeah, his generosity, compassion. Yeah. He kind of stiffs the, he, he expects, I what I read from it was he expects the peasant, quote unquote, the peasant to defer to him and give him information for free. And when he's asked for something, he sort of just does it because he's supposed to do it rather than offering generosity to someone who is in need. Because even though it is a cover for a bandit, this young person is telling him that, is picking through a battlefield and saying, you know, like, I'm poor, I'm starving, I'm just looking to make my ends meet, my brothers all died in this battle, but hey, you know, sometimes that's life. And Gowan just expects something of him rather than showing immediate generosity and compassion.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I read that too, because, um, like, in that moment, I think it's really easy to read it because the person technically offers the information up, like, on... Un- yeah. It's a little bit provoked because it's, like, a, hey, do you know where this is? But, like, freely answers without asking for anything first for the information. So one could read it initially as, like, hey, this person gave you information for free. He's like you don't have to give them anything, they just freely offered you up, but it then goes beyond, because the person's like, hey, you know, you're not going to give me anything, I gave you basically the secret of where you're going, and then he, you know, kind of stiffs it as, alright, you know, sure, and then, you know, he gets his comeuppance, because they trick him into basically right. being ambushed.
1: And then he yeah. is a sniveling
0: scaredy-cat. Yeah, like, I'm not a
1: knight, I'm not a knight! <laughs> yeah, and I think that a lot of these things are supposed to be sort of, I like that they're not judgmental, but they are little moral reminders of like, this yeah. is what we're trying to cultivate in ourselves. Not like you should be there immediately, but it's a thing to cultivate. Um, and then it was followed, was St. Winifred the next one, or was it the Giants?
0: St. Winifred, because he is at this point starving, because right. he has no horse yeah. or any supplies, because they stripped him of it. Um, and he makes it to the house where he eats food and meets the ghost girl. So we get the St. Winifred yeah. story. And which that's,
1: is... <laughs> I don't think that's in the original story. But interesting fact, St. Winifred is an actual Catholic saint, a Welsh... Well, actually, that's not true. Not a Catholic saint, Welsh Christian saint, because she's a saint of the old Celtic tradition, where, like, a saint was anyone miraculous. He didn't have to fill all the criteria. Um, but um, she, the story of St. Winifred is that she was a Christian princess sometimes, just woman other times, who was solicited by a pagan prince of Wales, and she said no, and he tried to force himself on her, and she ran away, and to hide his shame, he decapitated her, but he was seen by everyone leaving the church, and St. Cuthbert, I believe, um, made him melt like wax, and then put Winifred's head on her body, and she came back alive, and she spent the rest of her days as an abbess. Um, but yeah, the story of Winifred, and this one's a little different. There is no resurrection. She does get her head chopped off. Same stuff, but yeah. not a, no resurrection involved.
0: It felt more like the uh, you know soul laid to rest, like the head yeah. is with, so the, the soul can finally move on because it's been reunited complete.
1: And it kind of continues on the theme of... Um, compassion generosity but in this case I think also like respect in that he entered someone's home he did like he did apologize and stuff but then when she asked him to get the head in return he asked for something in return and she told him why would you ever ask me that like you're trying you're like you've just been told how someone's being tormented why are you Mm -hmm. asking for a reward especially when you've already sort of got what you needed Um, yeah
0: because he already ate and fell asleep
1: (laughs) yeah and so he does he returns the head and the implication is he releases the spirit to go to whatever afterlife there is or whatever
0: yeah because at this point he meets back up with uh, or this is when the fox enters the picture which is a little confusing not the fox itself but who the fox was was a little I didn't know but in
1: this case it does follow on that same thing of like hospitality because the fox was trying to get near him and get near the warmth of what was going on and he threw rocks at it and then the fox was kind of like well, what What are you doing? Why are you doing this? And then he's like okay I guess you're not so bad and then the fox becomes his companion um, and then the giants which I think was just an excuse for the Giants. I can't oh. figure out what they were there for. I don't think they were there for a purpose. I think it may have
0: been the whole, uh, a little bit of conquer your fears. Because he's initially like, what the fuck am I supposed to do here? And the fox is like, oh, don't worry. They're super helpful. Let me just call to them. And then we get a little bit of art house, uh, like, uh, lucid dreaming
1: <laughs> scene, and then
0: we're in a new place.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think the reference was just to, like, the lore around, like, the land, the geography of, the uh, of like, specifically the Isle of Great Britain being built by giants or inhabited by giants before humans. Yeah. Um,
0: I think that's just an excuse.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it was just literally an excuse. And then it, it also in Castle Park, which in total yeah. stories is the best part. <laughs> Yes, and I think so, it was also just... I disagree. In the movie, the Green Knight was the best part, but... Yeah, I
0: think it also the Giants were just to reinforce this, like, he's in a lucid journey state of meeting mythical and real people, and I think it was just supposed to make us the viewer's question whether everything was in reality or whether he was still even tied up and was just, like, lucid dreaming this whole thing. I think that was 100% for a viewer.
1: Yeah, I mean, one thing the movie does that definitely messes with you a little bit is showing different possibilities of time, like, showing you different outcomes and not giving you a clear answer on what outcome is what.
0: Yeah, because each of the parts of the story are, like, capped by title screen and next title screen, so we don't even know if they're happening in chronological order or if we're just getting flashbacks, flash-forwards until it's over.
1: Yeah, um... Which, it, it's, it, it, yeah, it's it's neat. But then we get to the Disappearing Castle, which in the original, I was wrong when I was talking to you. The Fisher King is the Holy Grail stuff, which Gawain is sometimes part of, sometimes it's Percival. That's a whole different set of things. Mm-hmm. The Fisher King is really fun. I have a whole rant I can go on about that, but that's not like now.
0: <laughs> that's a different episode because um, we don't have time.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, no coward as the Fisher King. Anyways, um <laughs> So this is, so he shows up and there's the young lady who's implied to be like the wife of the guy who owns the castle, the guy who owns the castle, and the maid, the old maid, the blind woman. Um, yeah, yeah. And he, they welcome him in and they're like, oh, no, no, no. It's like literally where you're going is the Green Chapel is like just down the way. Hang out for the next couple of days. Get your strength back. You know, enjoy the Christmas season with us. And then on Christmas, like Eve or whatever, go out and do your thing. and Then we'll celebrate after you're back. And so he does. But then the master of the house makes a deal with him that like he's going to go out hunting for the next couple of days, like come back and forth. Anything, the best of whatever he gets while hunting, Gawain can have. And anything Gawain gets while he's in the house, the, he gives to the master. Um, and in the original story, it goes on for a couple of days, and it's all these different things. Like, the book, blah, 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 read the story, I don't remember them all. Mm-hmm. In this one, I really like to focus on what everyone loves to focus on, which is the the wife, young woman whatever implications you want there, um, offers him the immortality and vulnerability belt, um, for sex. And in the original, it's, like, testing his chastity, because that was, like, a whole big nightly thing. Christians! Uh, in this one, it's more like it's Dutch I wasn't quite sure where they were going with that one. Um, and then they get weird, because, like, in the original, it's pretty clear that, like, every, t- so, like, the the young woman comes to visit him in the original story, like, every night, and tries to seduce him and kisses him, and he's like, no, no, thank you, I appreciate it. And then the next day, the master's like, what'd you get? And he kisses him, and he's like, this is what I got. Um, and there's nothing, like, weird about it. Like, it just is a thing. Mm-hmm. In this one, they get weird about it. All right, half- <laughs> Yeah.
0: This is, again, where time starts to dwindle, and we don't know when things are happening, because then there's this, the, the blind maid is also there, like, watching, and we don't know if she's, like, supposed to represent, like, a looming death that's on him. There's the weird painting that she does upside down, which, like, shows oh. him with, like, uh, some, what I interpreted as, like, death eyes kind of things, like, a blank, lifeless image. And that freaks him out, because he's, I think, sees his own death, because he's getting ever closer to the Green Knight, at the same time as we get some, like, seduction. And, um, also they, like, bled the timelines of, like, they kind of mirror the, the, the bandits from the beginning, who were, like, late children, teens to young adults. And it's like, have we, like, was his journey with the giants and in the waters, you know, with, the, like, did he skip timelines? It was, yeah, art house.
1: And it, and it, like, for me, when I was watching it, I was like, is this, are they, are they like a triplicate? Are they kind of like a, a gender fluid maiden mother crone type of deal? Cause like you have the blind old woman, the young maiden, and then sort of like the more middle aged man of the house and they all kind of fulfill similar roles like the the crone is silent kind of watching almost deathly figure and the maiden's like seductress and then the the master of the house is kind of the hunter caregiver like i don't know i don't know if that was intentional if i just sort of read that into there
0: yeah i got a little bit of him trying to test his commitment to going to the green knight because they're trying to offer him like the best of everything (laughs) yeah well also painting his looming death like don't go outside We could be your perfect family thing.
1: But he eventually does, and goes on his way, and the castle disappears, um, as it does, which there's a really interesting lecture. I'll see if I can find the link to it, but the old Welsh disappearing castle trick. Um, (laughs) It's a common theme. Um, Then he goes to the Green Chapel, which was cool. Oh, yeah, it was like like
0: decayed church. It was
1: like an old Celtic-style, like rural chapel that it was just reclaimed by nature so it's like covered in moss and ivy it's at the
0: end of a river valley too
1: yeah and and the green knight is basically grown into it like he sits on like a a throne at the back but like he's like all the things are growing around him and flowering off of him while he's sleeping oh it was so cool yep and then we get the one of the more interesting choices which was he goes He's the Green Knights are like, Are you ready to do this? And he's like, Yep, yep, nope, sorry. And he nopes out of there, goes back, is proclaimed a hero, because they don't know. He tells them that everything went fine. Um, and then it like has him becoming king and getting married and betraying his lover, and his son dies, and Camelot is overwhelmed, and he's and he gets killed. And then we come back to the chapel. And he takes off the invulnerability belt and says, "Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to face death." And the knight's like, "Good job, you passed."
0: But it ends there because we don't even yeah. get whether well, he actually goes to cut his head off. The it just says like, "Good job," and then the movie ends.
1: But it was so good.
0: Yeah, I really liked that flash forward because I like yeah. like the final test was him basically experiencing what would happen if he almost committed to his, like, choice of running away, and almost in a non-shameful way of, like, nope, this is just what would happen if you don't like, follow through with the challenge. Like, not that it was a wrong choice to run away, this is just, like, what your future would be. Your life would kind of be now based off a lie, and it would bring you all undue power and pressure and targets and, you know, and it's and not just- like your life would be in shambles, it's just, like, it snowballs into this experience of him basically dying in probably one of the worst ways, at least in his mind, imaginable. And then he comes back and is like, oh crap, like I got I got a free view of like what would happen if I really commit to this thing that I'm like unsure of. And I just feel like I, like the, the survival instinct of like, I just need to run away. Like it's just the flight response.
1: Absolutely. And I think it was interesting because what I read it as too was like you said, it wasn't really judgmental, it's like here's your path. And it gave him the choice. Are you willing to betray everything you think you stand for? Or are you going to make a different choice? Cause in that yeah. flashback, like you said, it wouldn't be a shambles, but he would he was compromising everything he said at the beginning that he stood for and the people that he cared about.
0: Yeah. I think it's also interesting that, like, in the beginning, like, he gets the green belt the second time from the disappearing castle, but, like, his mother gives him the green belt in the beginning, yes. and it's almost like, uh, like, from beginning to end, a mother meddling yes, subtlety of, like, I'm trying to protect you, and almost giving you the option to run away, like, you will always have an exit strategy, and him having to not relinquish his mother's love and control and support and protection, but almost a, I need to own my own destiny. Like I can't have my mother protecting my destiny forever because it will just lead to it. It's never, not that it's never truly your own destiny, but it's like, it's just clouds of whose destiny is it really?
1: Right. Especially when your mother is Morgana. Yeah. (laughs) Which again raises some more like interesting choices is the magic scenes in that movie i think is something we should pick up for our next viewing of oh yeah that was good um but in this one his mother is morgana in the original stories i don't think she's supposed to be she might be i don't remember um but like it's very clear that she summoned the green knight with her friends her witch friends like which is big mood we should try that sometime Um,
0: Yes. Yes, we should.
1: Um, I feel again, like we could probably code it a little bit happier, a little bit less hit jobby, and make it more like the Oak King or the Holly King or something, but like Again, diving into the deep green, a summer near yeah. <laughs> a summer coming soon. Um, but I mean it's unclear whether she summoned the Green Knight to give her son an opportunity for glory, or it was an attempted hit job on Arthur that sort of went sideways. We just don't know. <laughs>
0: This movie left a lot of questions, which I like. I like movies that leave room for a lot of interpretation, especially for no point. These are just things to wax poetically about. Um, But I really enjoyed it.
1: I also liked the the Merlin scene with the Green Knight, where he's like, I got nothing. I don't know. Show her. This is happening now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'd
0: also be like... I would rise to challenge you, but I am frail and old. Can we do this another time? And he's, like, looking around his knights like, anybody? Please? I, I don't know what to do here. <laughs> I'm old. I can't do it myself anymore. Um, and then, out of nowhere, Gowan just stands up, and he's like, sure! Nephew, go ahead!
1: <laughs> well, <it's> also, <laughs> I trust you. <laughs> yeah, and they prefaced it with the idea of, like, Arthur's trying to get closer to Gowan, and, like, you know, like, do you have any stories to tell? Like, for this Christmas, can you give me this Christmas Eve, can you give me the gift of one of your stories? And Gowan's like, I don't have any stories. And Guinevere is like, you don't have any stories yet.
0: (laughs) Foreshadowing. Um,
1: Yeah, but you also get the sense that, like while Arthur is trying to be kind and connect with his nephew, his nephew is taking that as more pressure. Gowan is taking that as pressure, and I think that contributes to the toxic masculinity, like, beheading thing, when all he had to do was really just tap the green knight. And that was it. It's like the, what's your true destiny? What rides on your shoulders and what what motivates you? So like you said, the opening of questions leads to so many possible interpretations. And I think that's part of what's so brilliant. And for me, that speaks to the magical part of it as well is the idea of like everyone's destiny is different and everyone has to face their own green knight and that will look different for different people and that'll take you down different paths.
0: Yep, this was just Sir Gowan's journey to the Green Knight. Others might be a group journey. Some might end in running away from the Green Knight. That is the smartest, or not the smartest, that is the most appropriate decision for that person. Uh, Some will face it as a group. Some will, you know, each face them individually. Like, it's just, this is cool to see this one person's journey in the Green Knight.
1: Yeah, and I liked that even though a lot of the the coding of the Green Knight was sort of comically quote-unquote evil, What we what is generally coded as evil. And this didn't feel evil. It felt magical. Like, explicitly so to me. It was not inherently good. It was not inherently bad. It was, like, just magical.
0: Yep. Same. Yep. He didn't feel like an evil person. Definitely felt like a hitman. <laughs>
1: yeah. The beginning definitely <laughs> felt like a hit in some ways. And I, I kind of vibed off of the idea of like that really deep old magic of where like just trying to get a hit job on someone was like acceptable and really effective magic and I'm like that's cool not something necessarily I would do but it's like we were talking about with the human sacrifice stuff the other day like yeah. it's fascinating it's utterly fascinating.
0: It's utterly fascinating although in today's terms I would 100% would love to send a Green Knight as just like a challenge marker of like, here, my not sworn enemy, but my person I am seeking to throw off their game. Here is an ultimate challenge that'll either prove you are a good person to me and then we can go on being trusted allies or we'll trip you up so much that I could take your spot.
1: <laughs> I mean, I feel like there is a place for a Green Knight ritual of that kind of like, it's just, it, it smacks the same to me of like, Boundaries, magic. Like you're yeah. not actively trying to hurt someone, but you are like putting up a magical wall that's saying, "Like I can't deal with you." I feel like the Green Knight is sort of a way to personalize, like the idea of, like I don't know if I, I like, I don't know what this is, but I feel like you know there needs to be some sort of like gauntlet thrown down, like you really to go one way or another. Yep, it's closure. It's a closure ritual, is what it is.
0: Very much so. It's also very much like this is what I would imagine like my practice of curses would involve this kind of stuff of not actually trying to hurt you but i'm going to throw down a gauntlet that if you you know challenge take up the challenge and come at me bro um you will find yourself in a tizzy of hurt and pain and suffering
1: i mean a curse of proximity this is the closest thing that i think i've ever come to being like yeah, no, I can see this as sort of, a, a, of what, what I would imagine I could do is like a sort of what I would do cursing without having to feel like there's some sort of repercussion on my end or <laughs> like some sort of moral issue.
0: We just put down the terms that if you get near me, it hurts you. Then it's completely your choice. If you want to continue to yeah. poke this nest, you're getting hurt.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's it, the curse. You can decapitate someone and face decapitation or you can make a choice and move on.
0: Exactly. No, that's true. (laughs) So so we've taken quite a road on this story time. Started out just like personal stories, then
1: uh, explored Arthurian legend. Absolutely. Honestly, I would say, you know, look at all the, there's so many different Arthurian legends all collected in different ways. Like if you just ever want to like some like good magical reading, like, just mm-hmm. pop into like any of those anthology books. Like just read a story, one of them. Like they're not that long, generally. Just yeah. And this I rem- think-
0: oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, this reminded me of uh, that movie specifically, and then in general, remind me how much I love. I love simple, sharp parables. Mm. life lessons in captured into story. It's why I really like Hilda, that cartoon about Mm. basically Scandinavian legends that explores, you know, a different myth or story time each episode. I just like things that basically encapsulate moral lessons or social lessons or just like a thing in a short format that uh, is open to interpretation and is just there for pure pleasure.
1: Yeah. And I think it speaks really strongly to like the the endless hold that like real just like oral folklore has even if it is getting if it is written down or whatever like there's just for me that pull to those those like simple down to home really clearly like social fabric type tales like epic sagas are great they have their place but I think that we there's something really to be said for like bringing back that sort of tradition of just like simple, clear, fun, meaningful storytelling just between one another. Yeah. And I think a good, I think, you know, (laughs) if anyone has access, you know, that's a great campfire activity, magical campfires, definitely our vibe.
0: Diving into the deep I'm telling you I have no idea what yeah, this is gonna
1: involve but I think some of it's gonna be
0: story some of it's gonna be deep deep ritual of us like uh, doing deep green stuff <laughs> you know unconnected deity stuff where we're just like diving our hands into earth and creating some I don't even know what it's really we're gonna dive into another <laughs> I don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> I'm just excited
1: I'm so excited it's gonna it's, it's gonna be great
0: We're gonna do some metamorphosizing that'll Be fun, maybe change our psyches into some other things, do some not body switching but life switching for, and then
1: <laughs> we're gonna do some weird things. It's, that's what Fair Folk Magic's
0: for. Oh, exactly. We're gonna jump some timelines and see what happens.
1: Yeah,
0: no, it's <laughs> gonna be good. Yeah, all right. Uh, so yeah, this was our light episode of just uh going where the conversation takes us. Uh, we hope you uh followed this conversation, I'm going to listen back to this and be like, what were we talking about? And it's going to be fun.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. No, I I, I like the... I, I like all our conversations, but I, I definitely have enjoyed just being able to throw whatever shit comes out there. It's, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's very much our style. It's how we do rituals, unless we're really really inspired.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like it goes along one of, if we had, like you're saying that one of the Chrome principles is like, there are no rules, let shit happen. Rule, quote unquote, rule two is what needs to be said or done will be said or done.
0: I'm telling you, if you are at all, again, I don't know who listens to us anymore. Um, but if you are starting your journey, the best lessons to learn and internalize—it's really the only rule I think I ever will say—is 100% a rule you should need to follow, and like learn is that what's said will need will be said, and that don't focus on the like I must write the perfect phrasing or the perfect speech. Either something is pre-written and you can pull it from a book, or what you said, what is what needs to be said will be said, and you're fine. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I love that because just I feel like the inspiration just comes as you're doing it, and that's the best part.
0: I'm telling you, some of the best rituals, the person just says, well, <laughs> sometimes nothing. I've been in many a ritual, someone calling corners, someone calls their direction, says nothing, and just ends it with hail and welcome. And we're all like, yep, that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> Most notably, it always happens with North because North is Earth. Yeah.
1: Nothing needs
0: to be said. Yep. Arthur's is just here. Exactly. So, nothing nothing needed to be said. But people will freak out about it. They'll post which are like, I had nothing to say. I feel so weird about it. We're like, nope, nothing needed to be said. <laughs> You're good.
1: <laughs>
0: so, I mean, so that, yeah. So, you can catch us next time. We're coming up on September, which means it's May Bon. I am excited because I will be heading up to central massachusetts comma eastern massachusetts there's a pagan pride day of sorts happening in september in massachusetts that travis and i are just gonna go to i have one
1: in september in pennsylvania northern pennsylvania as well
0: so you know we might have things to talk about for me (laughs)
1: yeah
0: definitely so, check us out in September for both our Maybon episode and whatever September's episode is gonna be. <laughs> we'll get to that bridge when we cross it. You'll know when we know. Um, but you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, Crone's Porch. Facebook, Crone's Porch. Uh, you can always email us, cronesports at gmail.com. We do have a website, Krones Porch at... What's the domain name? Uh... Good question. (laughs) I'm like, Squarespace is sticking in my brain. I was like, it's not Squarespace. WordPress. WordPress, uh, Krohnsporch.wordpress.com? I
1: believe
0: so. Cool. Um, Some stuff is there. Again, this is uh, 100% just labors of love. So things get posted when we feel like posting things. So awkward smiles. Enjoy the fun.
1: If you have any questions, comment, or content requests, please send them over to any of our social media's emails. The, There's a contact link on the website. Yeah. If you have any contribution you'd like to make, or any requests, please let us know. Yeah. But, uh, this is a unique opportunity. Both of us are educator-focused,
0: so, you know, if you have a question and you want uh, some support, you can contact us. We're, uh, the answer timetable might ta- be... Really quick or really long, but uh, you can reach out to us. We're both educators,
1: yeah. <laughs> All right, that's what we've chosen to do with our life, and yeah, <laughs>
0: no, yeah, that's a lifelong choice. The professional oh, yeah. capacity is going to be always up in the air, whether I'm a professional educator, but life educator, always,
1: yeah. Nope. this is what we've chosen to do with our life. This podcast would be in various forms.
0: I know I've revealed to students that I run a podcast, and I'm hoping that some of them. I hope a new generation of students will listen to this.
1: I want to tell everyone I do my podcast, but I feel like that might endanger my job. Some of my opinions on this podcast are slightly inflammatory. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, that is, I'm under, I'm in a slightly unrelated profession, so I don't think uh, I'm as exposed. That's a conversation for another time.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) For off the (laughs) air. We'll see y'all next time on the Cron's Porch. Yeah, I'll say Joseph Dania. And I shall say Slan. And we'll see you next time on the Cron's Porch. Kron's porch.